time for Quarantine Cabaret Cocktails with Robert Bannon and Lee Lessig. I was listening to my collection of LML CDs. (laughs) Lee has a record label, you know, and and these are a a little hodgepodge of CDs that he sent me in the mail. And I was listening to live in Central Park, Johnny Rogers and Lee Lessig and Stacey Sullivan, who's on the show. She has beautiful albums on this. No, I sent him a bunch of albums because we're about to start working on his packaging design and cover art. And I just wanted to show him different kinds of packaging. So I stole them and I've been making a habit of just like sending <laughs> CDs of myself to people. No, I would say I want them. Take LMLmusic.com. <laughs> no, Hi Lee, how are you? How are you? I'm great. I'm so excited to be here. I am too, always. Did you have a good week? I did. I had a good week. You came back post-camping. I did. I am so glad to be out of an RV. I cannot tell you. (laughs) (laughs) We, Mark, and two dogs traveled the country. I know. That was, that was, it was beautiful. And it was so nice to leave the house. But yeah, I think we can divide the population into two groups, those that camp and those that don't. I'll just leave it at that. <laughs> but Mark totally redeemed himself today. He, he did. I showed this to you. I never knew. And our guest, Stacy Sullivan, is, you don't know this about her, but she's an incredible designer, interior designer. And <laughs> I never knew how badly I needed this in my life. And then it like uh, showed up today at like two o'clock and I'm obsessed. I'm gonna show you. (laughs) This is what happens when you live with a designer. Oh my God. Are you ready? I'm ready. Who knew? So, so like when you bring home the dry cleaning and you never know where to put it, you need a valet rod. Uh, is that what it's called? A valet rod? Yeah, that is very, that is the most West Coast LA thing I think I've ever heard, a valet rod. It is life-changing. And I will literally just be like parked in the closet looking at it. Well, my dry cleaning hangs on the banister in the plastic bag for months, like a normal person. Yeah, like mine too. (laughs) (laughs) Unbelievable. Unbelievable. I am super excited um, about our show um, tonight, today, tonight, Um, today on the West Coast, tonight on the East Coast. Um, We are the whole show is dedicated to the incredible, iconic Miss Peggy Lee. And uh, I'm very excited about that. Uh, I have spent the week in a rabbit hole of Peggy Lee videos. Um, Her granddaughter, Holly, who's on the show tonight, sent over a bunch of archival footage and facts about her that I was, she's such a trailblazer and such an icon. And 
And then Stacey Sullivan, who does a show in tribute and has an album in tribute to her, her voice is bananas beautiful. So uh, it's going to be a really fun, really fun show. Yeah. Gonna, I have to classy it up here for this show, Lee. It's like, like a classy, sophisticated show. And how are you going to do that? Not the trash right. show that I usually am. <laughs> <laughs> well, since you brought up Halloween, since you brought up Halloween, I just want to let our viewers know that we have cooked up something really special for you next week for our Halloween show. First of all, we have the incredibly talented uh, uh, Tony nominee, Mr. Ken Page, who was, is it Oogie Boogie? Oogie Boogie. Oogie Boogie in The Nightmare Before Christmas. And then we thought Halloween... Ken Page, what else do we need? So we are gonna have two of the celebrity stars of Chippendales Las Vegas because they are coming out with a new calendar. I'm sorry, Mom. And they have this thing called Chippendales at Home, as you do. And so, <laughs> and oh, and um, we have- and, and Denise Williams too. She's gonna stop by. Four time <laughs> Grammy winner, Denise Williams. Broadway icon, Ken Page, strippers from Las Vegas. Welcome to Quarantine Cabaret and Cocktails. This is what we do. <laughs> so, um, before we get started, um, I just want to take a moment to um, uh, pay tribute to um, a, a, an incredible, incredible uh, woman who, who left us yesterday, uh, Miss Marge Champion at 101. I met Marge like 20 years ago on the QE2. She was directing like, I don't know, like Broadway at Sea or something like that. And we met, and then I was doing a concert months later in the Berkshires and she has a house there. And she came to the show and invited me back after. And we just had this really wonderful friendship. And I think she was in her eighties then. Um, of course she was married to Gower Champion and um, 101. And almost to the day, because she was born um, in September and she passed yesterday on October 21st. So I just wanted to like take a moment to to celebrate her life, which was incredible. And she was a stunning, stunning dancer. Um, and so let's just have a moment with March. You know what? You're lovely. So what? I'm lovely. But oh, what you do to me? I'm like an ocean wave that's bumped on the shore.
my goodness, it's beautiful. Yeah. Gorgeous. Yeah. Great wow. Yeah. Anyway. So. They don't make them like that. And they don't make them like anyone we're talking about on the show tonight. I know. <laughs> so um, our, our first guest that I want to bring on is um, Peggy Lee's granddaughter. And I met Holly um, Foster Wells because my nephew and her son were on the same little league team. And at the time, Mark and I had an old English sheepdog, Maddie, who was gorgeous. And we would go to the games on the weekends. And Holly loved our sheepdog. And so she'd always come over. And I didn't know who she was. And um, and she, you know, would would play with the dog and da-da-da. And then one day she said, you know, what do you do? And I said, I'm, I'm a singer. I'm in the music business. And she said, oh, my grandma was a singer. Maybe you know her. And I said, Who's your grandma? And she said, Peggy Lee. I was like, that's there. <laughs> right? But she's become a great friend over the years. And I'm so, so, so thrilled that she um, um, accepted our invitation to come and celebrate her grandma. This is the Peggy Lee Centennial. There was a lot planned for this year Hollywood Bowl, Carnegie Hall, and of course, everything has been postponed, put on hold. Um, but before we bring her on, I just want to um, show a little bit of Peggy. You had a plan money, 1922. You let other women make a fool of you. Why don't you do right like some other men do? He's a scoundrel. He's a rounder. He's a cad. He's a tramp. But I love him. you walked in the joint I could see you were a man of distinction a real big spender good looking so refined say wouldn't you like to know what's going on in my mind so let me get right to the point I don't pop my cork for every guy I see I can walk 
Wash out 44 pairs of socks and have them hanging out on the line. I can start an iron two dozen shirts for you can count from one to nine. I can scoop up a great big dipper full of lard from the dripping can. Throw the skillet, go out and do my shopping. Be back before it melts in the pan. Cause I'm a woman. Well, that was a lovely Hi, Holly. <laughs> Holly, how are you? I'm doing great. How are you guys doing? We're good. We're great. We're so happy to be here with you. I well, know. Th hey, that sounds like a song. I love being here with you. <laughs> <laughs> Everything's a Peggy Lee song to me. Right? Yeah. So your grandmother was, was born Norma Dolores Eggstrom. Yes. In Jamestown, North Dakota. Jamestown, North Dakota. And then who was it that gave her the name Peggy Lee? It was um, a gentleman by the name of Ken Kennedy. He was the station manager for WDAY radio in Fargo. Fargo. Yeah. And I guess she was just about to go. She'd been auditioning and he wanted to put her right on the air. But he said, you cannot use that name. And he's like, you look like a Peggy, Peggy, Peggy Lee. And that's she was just named on the spot. Wow. I read somewhere that her first her first singing job was on a local radio station, KOVC. Right. The, in Valley and, City. Yeah, and it was sponsored by a restaurant and they paid her in food. Yes. <laughs> that is true. And that was a big thing back then. I have actually yes. seen pictures of her where she was just real thin. She talked about, you know, money was tight. So food meant a lot. Right. And it was this one of eight kids, right? Yes, she was one of eight kids. Um, wow. Unfortunately, her youngest, well, her the, the daughter after her was died is stillborn. And then the last baby after her, um, they had to basically give her to a relative to take care of when my grandmother's mom died. And mm. so she didn't know the, the youngest very, very well. And unfortunately, she died young, too, at 14. Yeah, things were rough back then in North Dakota. Yeah. Oh, yes. And Peggy was like four or something, four or five when her mom passed? She was four, yes. Yeah. Wow. It's like, a, it is really, when I think about her whole story, it is like a real Cinderella story. It was yeah. a really challenging, difficult childhood but she had so many helpers along the way people looking out for her the people in North Dakota were they took care of her yeah yeah well one of my oldest and dearest friends um uh is going to join us I want her to be part of the conversation and I remember I don't remember the year maybe you remember the year when she debuted the Peggy Lee uh, in Pasadena. Do you remember how long ago that was? Oh my gosh. I think I don't. It's like nine years. We'll have to ask. Stacy knows the exact date. Yes, <laughs> Stacy. But anyway, she told me that she had this new concept for a show and she was going to record the CD and blah, blah, blah. And it was uh, called It's a Good Day and a tribute to Peggy Lee. And you and I had at that point recently met. And so I called Mark's sister, Cindy, who um, 
her her boys, my nephew and and your sons were on in Little League together, went to school together. And I said to Cindy, do you want to come see this concert? And would you invite Holly? And she um, she said, sure, yeah, that'd be great. So there we were, and um, and I just love it because. I mean, I know you loved the concert as much as I did, but um, I remember you saying that, you know, obviously you've seen a lot of tributes to your grandmother because she's famous and uh, and iconic, but you, she didn't have an easy go of it, um, you know, and, and Stacy um, shared her life in such a honest uh, manner, but with great care. And and it really touched you, I remember, at the time. And I know that you and Stacy have gone on to develop an incredible, an incredible friendship and sisterhood all these years. And so um, I want to I want to bring her into the conversation, but I want to just give our viewers a taste of Stacy Sullivan. Great. Oh, it's a good day for singing a song It's a good day for morning Duke Ellington said about Peggy Lee, he said, uh, If I'm the Duke, then Peggy Lee is the queen. Old man trouble, I don't mind him You won't find him Hang around my, hang around my, hang around my back door I love the way you're breaking my heart It's terribly, 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 terribly thrilling I light up when you call my name Cause you know I'm gonna treat you right You're giving me fever With your kisses Fever when you live, you learn. Fever! Looking out the window of that station, she thought, I'll leave this place as soon as I find out where those train tracks lead. Where did they go? All the good times, all the flowers. I'm telling you, I have I have seen your show many times. I have watched the promo hundreds of times, and every time you uh, say the part about when I figure out where those tracks are going, I'll get out of here. I literally saw it. It's just I th that like is the whole picture. You know what I mean? I just it's profound. Well, she has an amazing story. Yeah, uh, Holly, your grandmother. Um, 
I, I always thought of myself as an actress and uh, I come from a family of singers and um, I kind of tried not to be a singer for most of my life, um, just to find something of my own. And when I found this, this story of Peggy Lee, it was like I could combine my desire to be an actor and um, with the singing background that I had, but I, I have to say it's been the honor of my career just to narrate her story. I feel like when I do the show, uh, the evening of song or whatever you want to call it, I don't feel like I'm um, uh, showing. I feel like I'm kind of trying to be, to get, get in her skin, not to imitate her or to, you know, no one can sing like Peggy Lee. No one will ever be able to do that. And I don't really look like her that much. So I just get to tell her story, which is an extraordinary story. This yeah. little girl from North Dakota, she didn't have any family who sang. She didn't have any inroads. She just left home at 17 to change the world, really. I mean, she was a powerful woman when women weren't supposed to be powerful in writing their own songs. And she forged a trail for all of us. And it's just, I, I just, I love doing it. I, Holly, when I did that show, it was in uh, 2012 in February. So eight years. And, yeah, when you when you do um, cabaret in New York or LA, you hope that you get to do do it a few times before it just goes away, <laughs> and then you have to find a new one. And I can't. I pinch myself when I think about how many times we've gotten to perform this and travel around the world. We've been to London a few times, Holly, and we did it in uh, Rosarito Beach in Mexico and all over the country. And it's just, uh, thanks Lee and Holly. <laughs> I, I, couldn't, I couldn't have dreamed that this would be what it has become. And I'll say it again. I think, I mean, getting to perform is wonderful. We all love doing that, except Holly. <laughs> Holly hates doing that. <laughs> the, the best thing that came out of doing the Peggy Lee show was getting to know Holly Foster Wells. Oh, well, you know, you have a, you, your, your voice um, is, um, you, it's a vessel for her. You tell the story so well, and it's so heartfelt, and, and you're not trying to impersonate her, but it's such a beautiful celebration. Um, can't, I can't imagine back then, like at 17, coming from the life that she grew up in, at 17, taking off for LA, like uh, from North Dakota. You know what I mean? Yeah, it took a lot of courage. She had a girlfriend out here that said, oh, you should come out here. And her, she went to her dad and said, do you, you know, what do you think? And she thought he'd say no. And he, he ended up getting her a railroad pass. Wow. And then she took, she had gotten a watch for graduation and she sold it for like $25 and she, she headed out there and and she had little guardian angels all along the way but it was not uh it was not easy she didn't last very long that first trip out it was just like a year and then she actually had to come back to north dakota to have um throat surgery and she felt very embarrassed like she'd gone out there and she failed um she she oh my gosh she worked at the jade club in hollywood and she had worked as a carnival barker in um, Balboa in Newport Beach, um, which is really funny because she's so shy. The idea of her yelling with that voice for people to come over and 
you know, three for a dime. You break one, you win. Yeah. <laughs> what would you consider Holly her big break? Was it? Did it involve Benny Goodman? Like I know there's a story about Benny Goodman. What? 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 What was the turning point in her professional career? Well, so after she came back to North Dakota, she played. Well, she was on the radio there with WDAY. She had actually had her own radio show and. And she sang at at the Powers Coffee Shop and different places. And then she picked up work with some of the local orchestras there, the Will Osborne Orchestra, the Sev Olson Orchestra. And eventually she found her way back to Hollywood and um, specifically went to the Dollhouse in Palm Springs. And there she met with a gentleman who had a connection to the Ambassador Hotel in Chicago. And so she she was invited to go out there and perform, and she did. And it was perfect timing because Benny Goodman was in town, and he just right then needed to replace his uh, singer Helen Forrest. So his, uh, yeah. I read, I read somewhere that his wife had heard her like the night before, yes, and then told Benny he had to come in and hear this voice. Yes, it was his fiance at that point, and she said, "This this is the girl." Wow. And, I, and Benny called her the next day and and she thought it was a prank phone call. And uh, but yes, he he hired her and she just was immediately thrust into it, um, singing in Helen Forrest Key, singing with, you know, one of the biggest orchestras of the day. And she didn't have the right gowns or anything. She really had to pull it together quickly. Wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. That's amazing. You know, Holly, I knew your mom. Did I ever tell you that? No, I don't remember. Remind me. So I have a friend who was the musical director of the North Hollywood Church of Religious Science. Right. And your mom was uh, went all the time and right. called and said, can you be um, a soloist, you know, next weekend or whatever? And I was like, okay. And uh, I went and I sang and your mom came up to me afterwards and chatted. And I went, I didn't know who your mom was. Or anything. I mean, she never told me. And then uh, a mutual friend of Stacy's and mine, Joanne, um, was goes to the same church and right. there all the time. And she uh, took me aside. She said, "You know who that is, don't you?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> She's like, "That's Peggy Lee's daughter." And I was like, "You're kidding!" <laughs> and so I knew your mom for years. Yeah. There's so many weird. Connections, yeah. I yeah. mean, there's really, like, actually, um, I knew your sister-in-law, Cindy, mm -hmm. because of my husband and Cindy worked on a movie together. That's they worked right. on Ocean's Eleven. That's right. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's incredible. And then, yeah, and then how you introduced me to Stacy, and now I know so many people through Stacy, and it's just crazy. Now, Robert, we need to get to know you better. I'm I'm here. I want to, I'm ready. I am so I'm, into that. No, I'm ready. We're now all connected. The world is so small. It's, it's really uh, uh, crazy. I'm yeah. stalking you now, Robert. No. You look out, and you're not too far from me. So no, no, no. Sullivan and me are, are we're all and Holly, we're all going to be thick and thin. Robert and I have never met. Never. It's Craziest thing, yeah. We're not friends or anything. We, <laughs> <laughs> we 
No, in like January, he's working on his album, his debut album, and my guitar player that I tour with is his student is Robert Sax player. Mm -hmm. And he said, I'm working on this album, da, da, da. And Joe, my guitar player said, you should contact Lee Lesek. He has a, a record label. Mm -hmm. And so, uh, what's his name? Jimmy? Jimmy. Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy emailed me and sent me <laughs> samples and blah, 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 and told me about the project and said Ted Firth was arranging and musical directing. So of course I knew it would be brilliant. Um, I've worked with Ted for years. And so we'd be open to a conference call. So I said, sure. And so we had a conference call. This is right after the new year. And I was like, great. Let me know when you know, you're done recording. Well, then um, I came back from uh, my collapsed tour and Robert texted me on the 16th of March. I was on a walk. And I saw your picture on an airplane that you were coming home. And I thought, <laughs> he texted wow. me. Now I am like one of four people in America that previous to March, 2020 had never used the FaceTime feature on my phone ever. In the 24 hours or 48 hours that I was home, of course, at, everybody was in a panic state and wanted, you know, to connect. So I was FaceTiming with people and whatnot. So he texted me and I said, why don't we have a cocktail at 4.30 um, at, on FaceTime? And he was like, great. And so Mark and I were out on the back patio by the pool and we FaceTimed with Robert, who Mark affectionately calls David. I don't yeah. know why, but. <laughs> I think it's the worst. Why not? Why not? And you know, we just laughed, we had a great time. And then the next day, you know, those days in March, remember March? <laughs> they Those days were long. They were long because we didn't know any, not that we know anything today, but they were longer then. And so the next day at like two o'clock, I texted Robert and I'm like, are we meeting again tonight? And he was like, of course. <laughs> Every day for a couple of weeks, we chatted and laughed and just, you know, every day. And, and one day I... I said to him, I don't know about you, but I think we're very entertaining. I think we should have a talk. <laughs> At least and that was born, but we have never met. Never. But we but will. He, he's coming here in two weeks. I'm coming. I'm going to meet Lee. We're going to meet wow, him. That's great. And then I always nice. make But you know what? I really have to say that I think that in everything happens in its own divine time, and I'm eternally grateful to be here. There's something that I don't know, we're here. And I, not to talk show transition, but I know that your grandmother also was quite the existentialist, you know, she was very into spirituality. And I truly, I have had moments during this quarantine through the show, through this album, through me and Lee's relationship, through the people I get to meet that I never would imagine I get to meet like, like you both, where I feel like there's something divine about it. What was the, her journey into spirituality um, in her life? Well, she was really spiritual and I feel like I am like continuing on her spiritual journey. I actually 
was cleaning out some boxes of my that my mom had and I found this letter that my grandmother wrote to me when I graduated from high school and I don't know why my mom had it in her boxes but it talked about the the journey that I was going to go on and how she hoped that she could be there along the way for this beautiful trip I was going to be on but um she was she believed in um well, kind of like The Secret, you know, that you're that that show that everybody has seen in that book that we um, many of us have read, which is just the power of your thoughts, that your thoughts create your actions and your actions create your reality. So that drove everything she did. And that was growing up just constantly. She would say things like, don't give power to that. Or let's send white light to this person. And she used the power of prayer. She believed in, you know, things kind of happening for a reason. So she put that message into my head from a, from a young age. And, and even now, like with this, uh, this last year with COVID and her centennial, any time that I would think to myself, oh, you know, it's what a bummer about this or that. I just think she would say, just trust, trust the timing. You know, it yeah. is what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Sounds like she was wise beyond her years, you know. She was wise beyond her years. She but she also, you know, she had a lot of pain from her her childhood and different things that she'd gone through in her life. And this was also a way of of trying to cope with that. And mm. and with music and her spirituality, they were her saving graces. Yeah. They're Stacey. mine too. My favorite. <laughs> <laughs> Stacey, you and I go way back, and I, I have to say, um, you know, you've released several albums on my record label, which I'm very proud of. Six. And six. Yeah. No, no one's who's counting. Record. <laughs> that may be the record. <laughs> I think you and D.C. Anderson may have a standoff. Yeah. <laughs> but. Um, when I started my concert booking agency, um, I mean, over the years we've talked about you know vehicles and and whatnot, and you know finding the right the right match that will you know uh, get speed and momentum and whatnot. And it's it's a it's a tough thing, as you know, because you've been at it a long time. Um, but I, I have to say, like when this moment hit, it's just, it's so right. And so this will carry on. I know, I know it's been a harrowing disappointment because there was so much planned. We had a lot of things planned. And I know, Holly, gosh, you orchestrated from Carnegie Hall to the Hollywood Bowl so much. And, and, and it will all it will all come back around, yeah. you know, and we'll be ready for it when, when it does. But I just love that you found you found your your match in this because it's timeless. I can't take credit for it. Um, you know, we're talking about spirituality and how things just kind of happen. And I remember uh, Sidney Meyer. Do we all know Sidney Meyer? He was a stranger to me in two thousand and eight right before the crash. We remember 2008 <laughs> and I was performing in New York and he walked up to me after a performance. I'd never met him. And he just looked me in the eye and he said, you must do Peggy Lee. 
Wow. And I, I don't really look like her. I don't sound like her, but there was something he said that was there. And he said, you, you have to explore this. And so a friend of mine sent me the book by um, Peter Richman. Is that right, Holly? Yes. It became my Bible. And I just started reading that. I mean, I could show it's dog-eared and marked up. And I took notes in all of the, the inside. I saw it the other day when I was moving. And I was like, wow, I, I really got into this. Because, well, 2008 happened. My husband had to go to Arkansas. We lost everything. He had to go to Arkansas for three years. So I had all this time. I was raising my kids, but they were a little bit older. And I just became entrenched in the, and I, in the beginning of my journey, I was singing at a church in uh, Whittier, California. And um, a woman came up to me after, afterwards and she said, I mentioned something about, I'm, I'm, I think I might do a Peggy Lee show during you know the talk or whatever. And she said, you know, Ernest Holmes was Peggy Lee's adopted father. And I was like, he, she was his adopted daughter. And Ernest Holmes was the founder of this church. He had, he had spoken in that church and I'd been singing there for 20 years and I did not know about the connection between Peggy Lee and Ernest Holmes. Another one of those situations where you go, how could this be happening? And, and, and like I said, when I first started, I didn't know if I would do it a few times or if it would be something that would, would grow. And Holly, how many times have you seen? I've got to change the show just for you. Oh. <laughs> I love the show the way it is. And I don't even know how many times I've seen it a lot, but I will say, and you've already heard me say this a million times, but other people haven't, which is that first time going in and seeing it. I've seen a lot, like Lee had said earlier, a lot of Peggy Lee tributes. And so, and I'm grateful for all of them, but mm. I will say that having watched my grandmother sing live, it's okay. It happens okay. well. <laughs> anyway, um, it's hard for me sometimes to watch tributes, but I watched your tribute and I just, what Sydney Meyer was saying, which is you captured the essence of my grandmother without imitating her. And you did such a beautiful job of telling her story. And and also you did what she did, which is act when you sing. I felt like when I watched my grandmother sing, it was watching a, you know, a, a whole play. And you had that same thing. And so here I found myself doing something I had never done before, which is I went backstage and said, hey, we're opening the Peggy Lee Museum in North Dakota in, you know, this year or later this year or next year. Do you think that you'd want to bring this show there? Because you talked so much about North Dakota and that's how that all came together. And anyway, it's just been a big love fest ever since then. Aww. It has. And I feel like your boys and your husband, I, we're family. It, yeah. It's gone beyond. And when I was, I was living with a friend after we lost everything in 2008 and I, every day I would walk on the beach just to try and, like you said, your your grandmother found you know her her religion or her spirituality in order to heal. Well, I was walking the Strand in Manhattan Beach and Hermosa Beach every day for hours on end just to find some sort of peace in the situation. And I was just singing the lyrics, and I said, "I've got to work on this show for Sydney Meyer. You know, I've got to make this happen." And I would be singing, and I'd be thinking about her and her story 
It was the story that got me. And I remember one day just stopping and looking at the ocean and just, it just hit me. I, I wanted to take care of her memory. Mm. I wanted to take care of her. And she'd lost her mother at such a young age. And I'm a mom. <laughs> I'm a mom. It's something I've always wanted to do. It's who I am. And I felt like I wanted to, it sounds so silly, but I wanted to mother her. I wanted to do for her what like a mom, you know, I cared about her. I wanted her um, legacy. I wanted her story to be told because so many artists, we're out, we're out here alone and we're doing our thing and we just hope that it means something to somebody. And she took all of that pain of her childhood and turned it into art. Right. And that's all we can do. We can take our suffering, we can take our pain, and if we can make something beautiful out of it, make it art. Yeah, I love that you you tell the story um, and 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 honestly, but like not the TMZ version. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's authentic. The other thing I just want to point out because you said that Jeff, your husband, had to go away for three years. I don't want people to think like he went to prison. Job in Arkansas. Can I tell you when he was in uh, when he was in Arkansas, he got a car and he had an Arkansas license plate that we kept when we sold the car. And I put it in my house and I say, this is the license plate that Jeff made while he was in Arkansas. Because <laughs> people think that he was in jail. No, he had a job. <laughs> I have to stand up for Jeff. <laughs> and it worked out so beautifully because um, while he was in Arkansas, um, I got an opportunity to move to New York. And there was a job opening in New York, a block from where I was living. And the only reason he got that job is because he had been in Arkansas at the University of Arkansas. You know, he had had an education background because of those three years. He wouldn't have gotten the job in New York and we wouldn't have been able to reunite in 2012 and do this crazy Peggy Lee journey. <laughs> Look at you now living in the Lord's Valley. <laughs> <laughs> well, I like, to, I like to say that I live in uh, Lord's Valley and Hell's Kitchen. <laughs> I like that. Somewhere in between, I found balance. <laughs> that sounds good to me. So, um, are, are you going to stay in Pennsylvania, or are you going to go back to New York? Um, we had to get rid of our apartment because John Jay College is completely closed. Jeff is not even allowed to go back on the premises. They're doing remote learning, but he's working from home. And you know, as soon as it opens back up, we're going to uh, get us an apartment there. Yes, and then we'll go have a drink and meet in real life. No, you're coming here. Yeah. You're coming to Lawrence Valley. Valley. <laughs> um, I've had this question as I've, I've watched uh, everything. Peggy Lee, talk about actresses. I mean, she's an Oscar-nominated actress herself. Um, and and Stacy, when you watch that clip, your acting is bananas and beautiful, and it really. And you, when you listen to the album, the emotion that you tell as a singer is the emotion you emote as a singer is amazing, um, and beautiful to listen to. My question that I had thinking about Holly and growing up with an iconic grandmother that's pictures everywhere, music, everyone has heard these songs throughout their life. When did you realize that your grandmother was Peggy, Miss Peggy Lee? Like when was the moment when you realized that she was belonged to the world, so to speak? Right. That all grandmothers didn't do the same thing. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. 
though when I was little, I actually lived in my grandmother's house. My mom and my dad and my two brothers and I lived with her in Beverly Hills. She had a whole wing for our family. It was like basically a house attached to her house. And so I grew up with her. So it was just part of part of the whole thing from the very beginning. Like she was always having rehearsals. There was always musicians over. And I can remember these things from a really early age. Then eventually we moved into our own house in Cheviot Hills. But I think because I always grew up going with her to the recording studio or um, rehearsing with her or being watching her shows. I just, it's just, that's what my grandmother did. The same Holly, way it's like, you know. Holly, can you tell this story about Vegas? Which Vegas story? <laughs> <laughs> the one where your grandmother was uh, taking over for Elvis because he'd gotten sick. Oh, that, that, that is a funny story. I went with my grandmother to Vegas. I, I traveled with her all the time when I was little. And sometimes my brothers came and then eventually they were like, no, we're boys, we're not doing this. But I always went with her. And this summer we were in Vegas and we had been there for a while and we were getting ready to leave. And then Elvis was coming in. And I didn't really know who Elvis was actually. I just didn't, I didn't know who he was. But when we were leaving, they asked my grandmother, could you stay a little longer because Elvis is sick. So if you could just keep performing until he gets better. And then they turned to me and said, guess what? And now there's another little girl here who you can play with. And I was so excited because I'd been there by myself the whole time for like three weeks. So it was Lisa Marie. And uh, we were going to Elvis's room. I was going there to play with her. And this director of entertainment kept saying, now, you know, like this girl, you have to be on your best behavior. Her dad is really famous. And you. And she's a very to... special little girl. Yeah, and Holly's like, well, I'm her. special too. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. I did go anyway. We had a great time, Lisa, Marie, and I. And then at the end, her dad asked to meet me. And so I went into the hotel room and it was just like 70s Vegas, just what you would picture, a round bed with the drapes and the mirrors. And, <laughs> and he's laying in the middle of this big bed with these big sunglasses on. And, um, and so he, yeah, I mean, I actually said to him, oh, my grandmother wears her sunglasses in bed too. <laughs> and, uh, and then he asked me, he asked me about her and that was that. And, and then I go back to our hotel room and my grandmother said, well, did you meet Elvis? And I said, I did meet Elvis. And did he ask about me? <laughs> Is that the best story? Yeah. You know what, Holly, I don't know if you know this or not, but so my sister-in-law, Cindy, who is, you know, very well. Yes. Her husband, Rob. Yes. When he first, when he left Philadelphia and moved out here, I think he was 15, 16 years old. He moved out here, he was in a band and he was in a band with Danny Keough, Lisa Marie's. Oh. But oh they weren't married yet, yeah. I had no idea. The world, no is, idea. The world is this big. Yeah. In fact. Wow. And in fact, 
Danny and Lisa Marie, of course, are Scientologists. I don't know if they still are, but they were. And so Rob was like camping out in Danny's room at the Scientology house and had to like pretend that he was doing all the classes and because he needed a place to stay. Oh my gosh. Wow. It, it the whole thing. <laughs> That's just crazy. You know, it's a small world after all. Crazy yeah. world. <laughs> Holly, do you, um, you keep, you kind of have become the gatekeeper to your grandmother, right? Is that the stuff yes. behind you? Like you archive and keep everything. You have really all of the artifacts and all the materials that she has done in her career. Yes, I do. And I will say it is such a joy. Honestly, it's like every single day I get to spend the day with my grandmother, even though, you know, she's not here anymore. I'm just surrounded by her pictures and her music. And, and I think, of all the people I get to meet just because of her music, like mm -hmm. you guys and I, <laughs> so many people. And I have had a lot of help um, because I didn't, you know, when I was growing up, even though she told me I was going to take over her business one day, it's not like I was memorizing things like, okay, so she recorded that in 1952. Right. You know, I mean, I had to, like, I knew her as a grandmother. So I have had to <coughs> learn a lot of things. And I have a lot of people that help me, um, incredible fans that have done so much to assist me. And they, they really keep my grandmother's flame burning bright too, Stacy being one of those incredible people. Well, you know, your grandmother kind of chose you at a very young age to be the one to take over the legacy. You even went to law school and studied or you, or you studied entertainment law. She thought maybe you would be an attorney or something. I was going to say, I love that you said that I went to law school, but <laughs> I didn't. But I did take entertainment law because my degree was in communication. So, but you took some classes, and yeah. there was a there's a court case that um, when when Peggy sued for um, royalties from Lady and the Tramp that um, is in the law books that was in one of the classes you were taking, right? Yeah, it was th that lady in the Trump lawsuit was in in the textbook. And now I thought to myself, wouldn't this teacher think it's interesting if I said to her, oh, by the way, that's my grandmother. But I didn't. I In 2008, there was that fire universal yeah, uh, so many ma studio masters were um, were burned, including your grandmother's. Yep. So, yeah. Um, but the good news about that is that most everything was digitized. Oh, it's okay. still it doesn't take away how sad and disappointing it is because who knows what kind of alternate takes or other things were lost. And then I do know one thing that was lost was um, my mom singing. Mm. My mom was singing a song and and that was destroyed. But I am grateful that we at least have most of her DECA stuff digitized. Oh, that's great. That's one, of my, one of my favorites is uh, the, the, the Paul McCartney uh, compilation that he did of your grandmother's work that had not been released. It was uh, Rare Gems and Hidden Treasures. Yes. In 2002? Yes. 
And that, uh, was, that was not the Paul McCartney album. Oh, it was He did write a forward in that. Okay, album. that's why yes. I got this. Yeah. Yeah. I know. There was a song on that album that she, when did she, uh, I love the way you're breaking my heart. What year did she record that? See, that's the kind of stuff I don't have memorized. Okay, she <laughs> recorded, I mean, it's, it's, I think it's one of the best songs uh, I've ever heard. And it was in that, um, that film, uh, Bernard and Doris. Right. And I love the way you're breaking my heart. It's terribly, 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 terribly thrilling. And it, when I heard that song, I was like, oh, this has to be in the show. It sounds like it was recorded yesterday. And that's one of the things that Peggy Lee did. She sang in a way that is timeless. I mean, a lot of the singers from the 30s, 40s, you hear it and you go, oh, 1934. You know, it's, it's like so dated and it's not like something you would listen to you know it's it's some people will but i mean it's uh, it, it's of a time but when you hear peggy sing i was like when was that recorded yesterday and all of a sudden it became a big hit and you go on youtube and you type in this song i love the way you're breaking my heart peggy lee and you'll see all these videos of little 13 year old girls singing i love the way you're because it's like it could be Britney Spears. I mean, it's just, it's fantastic stuff that doesn't age. I, know. I love seeing all the covers people sing. Mm. I look all the time on Facebook and Instagram, people, TikTok, they post these, their own versions of the songs. And I love seeing how her recordings continue to reach, forever. you yeah. know, younger artists. It just keeps going on and on. She Time would make her so happy. And she was so adventurous with those arrangements too. The arrangements were not of their time, so they're not of any time. You know, they're just fresh and fabulous. And she worked with all the best arrangers. I remember one time um, I was doing a show with Holly's dad, uh, and we were. I was looking at different arrangers, and I was like, "Oh, you gave me a list of the different arrangements." So I just quickly looked up uh, fifty greatest arrangers of all time. And like 36 of those arrangers had arranged music for Peggy Lee. She knew who to hire. She knew she, she paid them well. I mean, she was amazing. It's funny. Picking arrangers was a big thing to her. So she would figure out what song she wanted to sing. And then the next thing was, and who's going to arrange it? And wow. she would know like, okay, Johnny Mandel, Billy. Randy Mandel, Newman. Randy Newman. Rand you know, she is that all there is? Did you know that was Randy Newman? Wow. I didn't know he that. Was just, he was a young unknown and she heard something he had done and she said, I think he should do this song. Am I the only one that Stacey Sullivan sang that little clip and I just was going to melt? Oh my <laughs> Lord. Her you voice. You sounded very beautiful, so Stacey. Beautiful. I love you all so much. Can you all come over right now? <laughs> no. Tone for days. I cannot tell you just how joyful this was to spend time with you and to to talk about your your grandmom and and I don't know that we've ever actually had to spend this much time talking about Peggy Lee and I love it and I'm so this is perfect you, you Holly when you and I were chatting on the phone a couple of weeks ago about you know I told you we wanted to pay tribute and how do we build the show and and you said you know I just I think the four of us is the perfect energy and you were so right and so i thank you for that 
Absolutely. And, and thank you for, for doing this. So what a joy. Every time I every time I talk with you, Holly, I mean most of the time we talk about our kids. Well, of course. Whenever whenever I hear you on a program like this, I hear something from you that I've never heard about Peggy Lee. It's amazing. And we've spent a, we spent a lot of time together. And uh, there's one story you tell, though. I hope you have. Do we have time? Yes, sure. There's one story that Holly told me about her grandmother after she'd had her stroke late in life that had and she'd lost her voice that has been with me during COVID. And I think it's a really powerful story that maybe you could tell Holly about grandma watching the sunset. Yeah, she it's, you know, she had such a debilitating stroke and it made it very challenging for her to speak. And you would think that someone who communicated with her voice her entire life, that that would just be really traumatic and horrible. But there was, she had such a peace about her. And, um, and we would just go sit outside and hold hands. And she had this beautiful rose garden with these Peggy Lee roses. And we would just sit and hold hands and smile and then watch the sunset. And she, she would, she could say beautiful. And there was a, just a beautiful piece about her, even not singing and not speaking. She, I think meditating all those years and praying all those years, she was able to somehow adapt in a way that would be very difficult for others. I, during COVID, you know, not being able to sing, I, th there's a peace that has come over me. There's a stillness in this and I'm embracing it. And I think about your grandma. It's just like, you know, it's not everything to be performing. It's there is, this time is a gift in a way to mm -hmm. reflect and recoup and figure things out. There's clarity in COVID folks. <laughs> yeah. Where, where, wow. can, where can we, what's the newest and easiest way for us to listen to your grandma's recordings? And Stacy, what's the, what, tell us how we can listen to all of your amazing catalog as well. <laughs> Holly? Well, I will tell got you, a new I one. got this uh, yesterday. Look at this. I'm wearing sweats. Don't look at me. No, please. <laughs> oh, my God. And I realized I didn't even put my LaCroix in a glass. But Don't even worry. <laughs> look at this. This is. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Ultimate Peggy Lee Christmas. Oh, oh. my goodness. Is that stunning? Oh, yeah. Um, is that, like, going to be available? It's available right now. I have to get it because for Christmas, I'm getting Mark a turntable. Look, it's an album, but we also have CDs too. No, I want the vinyl. I want the vinyl. Uh, and then if for someone that doesn't have much Peggy Lee, this is a great, this is also vinyl, Ultimate Peggy Lee. So right. I'm really proud of these albums. They're gorgeous. She, we really paid a lot of attention to the songs we picked. So, and you can stream them too. So, and now Stacey, you talk she, about She chose well, Holly. <laughs> and, and you know what's on my Christmas list. <laughs> posted when things get rescheduled and we'll promote them. Okay, I, that's a deal. We yeah, were supposed yeah. to be at Carnegie Hall on June 1st. I was, I, I know. You were I, in it. Yeah. I know. And we rescheduled for um, the last day of her centennial which is May 25th at Carnegie Hall. And that probably won't happen now. 
either. So, uh, yeah, I feel so lucky right now, Lee, that I have recordings. Yeah, I have seven recordings. Um, one, there's only one that's not on your <laughs> record label. We're not talking about that one. <laughs> <laughs> but there is a Peggy Lee song on that album that she wrote with Marion McPartland. It's called oh. In the Days of Our Love, and it's one of my favorite Peggy Lee songs. Yeah. Um, but no, I'm, I'm just really grateful that the recordings are out there, and maybe I'm singing somewhere in the world right now. You were listening, right. you were singing in my car. I oh. My grandmother and Stacy were both singing in my car for this whole week. So that makes me so happy. Stream oh. those albums, the stream the ultimate Peggy Lee and the Peggy, spend Christmas with Peggy Lee and the Christmas album and Stacy Sullivan's, it's, uh, that album is her album of, of Peggy Lee music and all her other album is, their voice is gorgeous. Talk about and I have a Christmas album too on Lee's label. Yes, you do. Yes, you do. <laughs> but you know what, I, you know who I listen to? Peggy Lee. <laughs> She, there's no one like her. There, there, there never will be. And um, thanks, Lee and Holly, for keeping this thing going. I mean, I just, I hope I get to sing Peggy Lee until you know I'm what? gone. I forgot to show your album. That's <laughs> that's Stacy's Peggy Lee album. I totally forgot to throw it up there. Okay, <laughs> I digress. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. What a joy. What a joy. This is, and it's so good to see your faces. I miss you all. Is heaven. So to see you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you. Thank honey. you so Thank you. much. It was a pleasure Appreciate to meet you. Thank you guys so much. Thank you, Robert. Thank you. Oh my goodness. Oh. What a beautiful. They're the most beautiful ladies. They're inside yeah. and out. And what a special hour to spend with that with such an icon that is Peggy Lee. Stacy yeah. Sullivan's website is, I believe it's stacysullivan.com. I, I was there the, today. And Peggy Lee is Peggy Lee, Miss Peggy Lee.com as well. And you could buy all, listen and buy it all. I'm going to get those vinyls for Christmas. Yes, Mark is going to love them. He said last night he wants he wants a turntable. I like that. I, vinyl's very in, you know. I know, it's very in. Very trendy and in. You know, a couple of years ago, we um, went for Christmas and rented a house up in Napa. And they had a turntable and they had a collection of vinyl that was like literally my collection as a teenager growing up from, you know, Dan, uh, oh, no. yes, Dan Fogelberg and, and, and John Denver. And I mean, all, oh my God, and Super Tramp. And we had so much fun every day. We like unveiled another recording. My so, mom, my mom went into the attic by my grandmother's once and she brought like her milk crate of albums over. And I always got teased as a kid because as we've documented on the show, I love all things Manilow. And my mom and dad, like we, they always tease me. And then I'm going through the milk crate and I found his debut album. And I said, ah, don't you ever make fun of Barry ever again. I have the proof that this was, it was there. <laughs> Brilliant. Brilliant. Wow. Well, next week we have four-time Grammy winner, uh, the voice of Oogie Boogie and strippers. That's what we have. As, that pretty much <laughs> quarantine. <laughs> I'm excited. I think that'll be fun, right? It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great Halloween show with the Denise Williams, Kem Page, and the men of Chippendales. Well, there you go. If you must. And we must. If you must. <laughs> thank you, Stacey Sullivan. Thank you, Holly Foster Wells. Thank you, 
the divine Miss Peggy Lee for all that you gave to us. It, it's incredible. She's she's an icon. Robert. And thank you, Lee. Thank I'm you. Sorry. I'll get to meet you finally in a I few will weeks. Get to two weeks. Oh, I wear. Two weeks. Well, now, thank God you have that pole. You could put your dry cleaning. You could get the outfit together. Mine will be wrinkled in a ball in a carry-on bag. Perfect. I <laughs> well, have a wonderful week. And a good week, and I'll see you next Thursday. We'll see you next Thursday. Thanks, everyone. Bye.